attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Another another week of fun. You know, we've been, Dana, I think we're like at a year when you and I first started talking about doing a podcast. <gasps> yes. It was like right before Noah was born that you and I started like toying with this idea of doing a podcast almost a year ago. You're absolutely right. In fact, I remember talking with you about like, I'm thinking about maybe doing this podcast. And you're like, I'm in. Let's do it. And it was like. We went hit the ground running. It was like the idea, and then we were just like, we got to figure out how to make a podcast and record ourselves. <laughs> and apparently, our ace in the hole is unpaid intern Ryan, aka my husband, yeah, who's been editing these. Could not do it without him. So a year later, since we started even toying with it, because I think we we played around with it for a few months before we published the first episode, and then it took us forever to figure out how to publish the first episode. Oh my but, gosh, yes. Um, a year in, I, I guess there's no other way to say it, but a, a little news from my side of our beautiful little podcast. Uh, you know, Dana, Dana, you know this. Um my family and I are moving back to the East Coast. We're moving back to New York City. Uh, I, I took a new full-time job, you know, the real the real job. This is the unpaid fun stuff. Um, <laughs> took a new job back in New York. And so uh, the family and I are moving back to the East Coast uh, in the next couple of weeks here. So you're saying, Adam, that Gen D is now bi-coastal? Gen D is bi-coastal. We are no longer like split state. I don't know what the right word for Northern California, the Southern <laughs> California would be, but we are now by coastal. So this means we are going to talk a little bit more about that big old behemoth of a park in Orlando, Florida, because now, I mean, let's be honest, like when Kurt and I used to live in New York, we would go to Disney world probably two or three times a year because it's a quick, easy flight to Orlando from New York. And it like Florida is basically made up of, either lifelong Floridians or ex-New Yorkers anyway. So uh, we (laughs) make our way down there often and we will do so even more, even to the point where I'm like, come on, Disney, get back with the annual passes so we can just buy APs to Disney World and uh, do it that way. I know. It's coming. It's got to come back. And I'm happy. I'm Well, I'm sad that we won't be in the same time zone. I'm sad that you won't be in my same state. But let's call a spade a spade. Northern California and Southern California are basically two different states anyway. Oh, And I figure you're still going to come out to California at least a couple of times and do Disneyland with me. And now I have even more of an excuse to go to Disney World with you. Or come to New York and we could do the whole Disney on Broadway tour. Like we'll go to Aladdin, we'll go to Lion King, we'll go to one of my husband's workshops where he teaches for Disney on Broadway sometimes. Like we'll do all that and then we'll do a whole podcast about like Disney in New York, which is its own thing because of all the incredible Broadway shows that they have. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Can we please do that? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Once this Omicron business goes away. Um, so that said, I'm going to take a little beat of a pause with the podcast for a few weeks. Dana is taking full reins of everything with her friends who are some of them returning fan favorites who joined us on the podcast before some new friends who are coming to join, um, all 
just amazing stories to tell about Disney. And I think, Dana, today we have an episode you recorded with uh, your friend Katie, who has quite the interesting Disney background from working for the mouse on multiple fronts, including Disney on Ice, which I think is pretty cool. So I guess, should we should we listen? Should we take a listen? I think we should. I should also, before we roll tape, give, I guess, a little like listener note. If there are little ones listening, uh, Katie and I met working in the entertainment department at Disney World. So we are going to give you some awesome backstage stories. But if you don't want to lose the magic of um, costumed characters, then you might want to skip ahead a little bit on this particular episode. But anyhow, I guess we should say roll tape. Oh my goodness, folks. I'm so excited today. I have one of my favorite humans on this planet on today for this episode. Uh, This is my dear friend, Katie Stewart, who I met years and years ago working at Disney. And I don't know what else to say. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for joining the podcast. Wow, that was quite an an intro. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. This is my Aww. first my first ever podcast, so very oh, excited. I'm so glad I could be your first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so scandalous already, folks. Uh, Katie, thanks for joining. Immediately when Adam and I started talking about making this podcast, I was like, I know a lot of people I want to interview on the show, but you were maybe one of the first people I thought of because you have such a cool Disney story and you've done so much awesome stuff, both at the Disney parks and into another form of entertainment with Disney that we'll get into in a second. And I almost don't even want to spoil it for folks, but (laughs) Katie's got such an incredible background. So I'm excited to share her story. You all have heard Adam can't be with us today. He is in the middle of traveling to New York City to relocate. So it's just Katie and I today, but I guess we should get into it, right, Katie? Yes, let's do it. So first off, you and I met working at Disney World in 2008. Before doing the college program in entertainment, you had done another college program at Disney World, right? Um, Kind of. So okay. I, we actually met because of Evan, who was on your podcast recently. Um, yes, and we know her well. Yes, yes. Yeah. I started my program in January of 2008. And originally when I had started my college program, um, I signed on as full service restaurant. So I was working at the Sci-Fi Dine-In theater, restaurant in Hollywood Studios on roller skates doing the whole thing. Um, And then I... Can you imagine that the sci-fi dine-in is still like one of the hardest reservations to get? I know. People are nuts for that restaurant. But I understand completely why. Like it's some of the best theming in the parks. It's so good. (laughs) It so is. It's We're going. We're going in a couple of months and we're... Or in a couple of weeks. Oh my goodness, it's coming up. And I got a sci-fi dine-in reservation. Yes. Get it. I love that. Uh, I guess let's take it a step back even further. Okay. Explain to me how Disney came into your orbit. How did you learn that there was a way to work for Disney? Like, how did all of this happen? Well, my family has always been a huge Disney family. And we signed up for the Disney Vacation Club back at the very start of it. I think that was like 97. So a lot of our free time or vacations were spent going to Florida to stay at the resorts here. Um, to go on cruises. So, and it was one of the places as my brothers and I got older that my mom felt comfortable when we were old enough to like fly on our own or um, go on a trip by ourselves or with friends. She was like, I feel comfortable sending you guys there um, because yeah. it's on Disney property. You're not going to get into too much trouble. So, 
spent a lot of time there growing up. And then I don't know, I, I remember needing like not an escape necessarily, but I was in between stuff. And I was like, I need to do something, but I want to do something fun. And I don't remember exactly how an ad for the college program came across my radar. But as soon as I thought, uh-huh. I was like, yep, that's it. And I did everything <laughs> I could to get that interview. And I figured out immediately that there was a role where you could wear roller skates and wear a cute outfit and I just I jumped at it so that was well, how also I the up. sci-fi dine-in has the coolest like retro 60s like um yes. waitress outfit so I can see yeah. why that would be with, like black and hot pink with the little apron and the flared skirt yeah. I definitely I took my time getting out of that after my shift <laughs> I liked wearing it probably a little too much you and Ryan had a really easy costume you're like you guys got good costumes because Oh my goodness, oh. there's so many horrible yes. options when you work at Disney. Like, uh, yeah. basically anything at Animal Kingdom really sucked. Oh. Like, those were yeah. terrible. And some of those roles where you're having to stand outside and, like, those costumes are not chintzy. They are, like, thick. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. No, and it's Florida, so you have to deal yep. with the humidity. Yep. Um, okay, so you're working at the Sci-Fi Dine-In. What was that experience like? It was really fun. I worked as a cedar. So I would make reservations, check people in. Um, I put on my little roller skates and then I would take them back in time to the 1950s and seat them at their their car when it was ready. It was just kind of like, I don't want to say fun and carefree, but it was definitely the perfect just go live your life for a bit in in Disney and not think too hard. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So would you, this is now just me asking since I know I have an upcoming reservation, would people ask specifically for cars or certain seats? Yes. Yes. Um, What's the trick there? I'm trying to like jog my memory now because it feels like a lifetime ago, but there are different cars, right? So some have like three rows. There were walk-in tables that they called flying saucers in the back. And people were always very upset if they got the flying saucer because they wanted the car. It was a very popular spot and people just enjoyed it. It was a, I think it was a 43-minute uh, video loop they had of all the old sci-fi movies, like the D-list ones. And I don't know. Do you ever watch Mystery Science Theater 3000? Totally. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Some of those were mystery science theater movies, like that they had done um, on their show. So I would sit there because my brothers were huge mystery science theater fans. So I'd laugh, and it was just that for like forty three minutes, and you could tell some of the servers that had been working there a really long time because they all knew it by heart. Oh, I bet. And at a certain point, you could hear different call and response throughout the dining room <laughs> to parts of the movie. Oh, I bet. Fun. Yeah. So folks, if you haven't been to the sci-fi dining, it's been there since probably the opening of Hollywood Studios. Okay, it's yeah. been there forever. But it's awesome. And and like Katie was explaining, like you get to sit in cars and watch a movie like you're at a drive-in. And yep. it's all those old um, 50s and 60s. It's dark inside. It looks like a starry night sky. and Yeah. And you see black and white, like creature from the Black Lagoon type. Yep you know, little snippets of movies and it's you can kind adorable. of see like and the milkshake machine in the back and uh, yes, that. it's like Grease. If you if yes. you're a fan of the movie Grease, it's yes. like that scene when he's singing. Um and the food is all like fifties American style milkshakes and hamburgers type stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have a favorite milkshake or a favorite food when you worked there? Uh, no, honestly after like having to make some of the milkshakes, I'm good. <laughs> 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 I know. Yeah. Okay. So you're skating around and why did they let you go on skates? 
roller skates. I did my college program in 2008, as you said, but I've heard that since then they've, I don't, I think banned is a harsh word, but I don't think they let people on roller skates anymore. Aww. It probably got a little dangerous, but I liked it. I thought I was adding to the theming, um, <laughs> but I would kind of roll around. I'd probably take my time a little bit longer than I needed to, but because that dining room was so dark, it was always a little like obstacle course. So, you know, straw wrappers or the stray crayon from a table and that could take you out real quick. (laughs) When you started, were you the only person on skates? I think there was one other person. So I had seen at my recruitment or like my interview process, they showed a little video for the college program. And one of the main segments was a guy that was working in the sci-fi restaurant and I saw him on skates. I was like, yes, that's what I want to (laughs) do. And when I got there, there was like no one on skates. So I had to kind of like ask around and sift through the back and I found in some lockers, pair of skates. And I think after that, they got a little more popular and there were a few of us skating around, but it was one of those things where if your manager saw someone go down, they were like, nope, you're done. So it was kind of, but I used to take off um, because part of like going outside and we didn't really necessarily have to like drum up business because people were fighting for reservations anyways but you would go outside to call people when their seats were ready and whatnot and then sometimes I would just kind of like skate out a little further into the park (laughs) and come back and then I kept seeing how far I could go I kind of got up to star tours a couple times which is pretty far that's impressive but my manager was like where were you I was like advertising (laughs) because we need it yes Uh (laughs) for everybody's future trips when they didn't get a reservation exactly um And you were skating because you have grown up on skates. You know how to ice skate and roller skate. Yep. I started figure skating when I was six years old, and it kind of took over my life from there. So I love it. So we'll get back to that part in a second. But when you were done with the sci-fi dine-in, you decided to then audition into the entertainment department. Is that how it worked? Yeah. I wasn't even done with my program yet, but... I I just thought entertainment looked so fascinating and I love performing and I was like, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to like show up to an audition and see what happens. And so I showed up to one of their, it wasn't even a college program audition. I don't think it was just one of their open calls over at Mm -hmm. Animal Kingdom. And I showed up. That's where they always had them. Yep. All the time. Gosh, that, that was busy. You and Evan on your recent episode were talking about the audition process and it was really bringing back some (laughs) memories that I'd forgotten about. I bet. Because, yeah, for Evan and I, ours was so small. Like she described, it was like 12 people at our audition. But I also did an open call in Florida. And what Katie's explaining is like across from Animal Kingdom, there's like a big warehouse, which is where they do a lot of the choreography and auditions. And they've got the costumes, so they'll fit people. And that's where they would hold these auditions. And so I went to one of those, and it was hundreds of people. It was a zoo. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So you went to one of those to audition. I went to one of those. And at the time, they were introducing um, the, the Tinkerbell movie, the, all the fairy friends. And oh, yes. I was I was right in that Pooh Monk height. You know, yes. I know you know it well. <laughs> um, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> so I made it to the end. And I guess I looked very similar to a certain animal fairy friend, Miss mm-hmm. Fawn. So I ended up getting pulled and fitted for that but I also made sure to like let them know I knew how to roller skate and because I knew I knew there were roller skating snowflakes in the Christmas parade so Mm -hmm. I ended up getting signed on at that point and then when my program ended my original program where I was at sci-fi in May because I think those programs are usually five months at the end of that Uh I switched over to entertainment nice 
Yep. And so tell me about the experience. I mean, you heard Evans and I know it's <laughs> yeah. probably, it parallels a lot, but do you a have lot, yeah. any memories that are um, a little bit different or your experience of like the training or just getting started as a character? Um, A lot of it was very similar. I do want to talk about Mike Wazowski though. Oh my oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to add on to that because I thought you and Evan did a really great job of explaining exactly what that entails. But I want to <laughs> add, do you remember how you had to get into that costume? Okay, I'm trying to remember, but it was like, because <laughs> they set him up on a rack. Do you remember the <gasps> rack? And you had to like dive into it. They, it was like up really high. Yeah. And it was laying sideways, like horizontal on a rack. And they were like, okay, jump. Yep. And you had to just kind of like throw yourself into <laughs> it. I forgot. What a racket. I remember the green tights. He was the yes. only character. Because every character wore tights basically. But yeah. that one were like these giant yep. Kermit the Frog colored yep. green. Yep. And then, and yeah, the you wore flippers. a big old diaper. They were like scuba yes, slippers. Totally. That you had to walk around. Around. And I'm sure you've seen that YouTube video for Mike. I know the. I know I do. You do too. That's yeah, because I only got yeah. one. I was only asked to do that shift once, and I didn't Me know too. what to do because you know how you guys were talking about pulling the costumes and trying to figure out what pieces you needed. And this girl, lovely girl, and I, I happened to ask her like do you know what I need? Like I need help. This is kind of last minute, and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, just no. be careful. Um, <laughs> she's like, have you seen the video? I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, just tread lightly. <laughs> so. She was not wrong. No. Folks, if you want to know what we're referencing, <laughs> just go to YouTube and click Mike Wazowski takes a fall. Takes a fall. Yeah. And you'll, you'll find what we're talking about. But that happened when we were there. And, um, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot. And I'm just like you, I only played Mike Wazowski one time yeah. and that's enough for me on the Mike Wazowski. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I got disapproved in that one real fast after one set because- Me too. It was one set. It was not even a full day. Yep. It hurt my hips. It was like oh. crushing into my hips and it started to um, scrape and bleed. Oh. And they were like, okay, well, there's blood. That was like the op- well, like the same <laughs> thing, but that's how I found out that I apparently have an abnormally long torso. <laughs> oh. um, so I guess, you know, how you like- buckle yourself in around your waist that's where a lot yeah. of the pressure is supposed to be but because my torso was very long all the pressure fell on my shoulders so I had bleeding shoulders after the first <gasps> set and they were like okay I guess you don't have to go through with this Katie you and I are part of like the bleeding Mike Wazowski club like yes we need shirts we need we shirts. do or buttons at least it's a bummer because I really like him as a character I love him though I got nothing but love for Mike like, I know. Even I know, after all that, too. he's so great. Um, You and I, when we worked together in the entertainment department, a lot of time I think you and I worked at the different restaurants. We worked at yes, Play and Play Dine, Dine in Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, in Hollywood Studios. So, and I don't know about you, but it felt like more often than not, I would be considered a spare, okay. which is like a substitute who, you know, isn't cast to be a character that day, but is in the break room waiting call. for if somebody calls out. Yep. And so I feel like for me, my time at Play and Dine, the, the restaurant, which is now a Disney Junior. Let me take a step back, folks. <laughs> Play and Dine is a restaurant that's characters. And for breakfast and lunch, when we worked there, it was the Disney Junior characters. So you could meet the little Einsteins and Jojo and Goliath. Yeah. And I'm missing somebody else. Was there somebody else? Oh. Who does it? 
Handy Manny, right? Handy Manny. Handy Manny. Everybody called you Bob the Builder, but no, I am Handy Manny. (laughs) Nope, nope, not me. Uh, So you could be any of those characters and they roved around. um, And so they all were in our same height range. So you could play any of them. So Katie, tell everybody a little bit about what it's like to work in a restaurant as a character performer. It's a little different than the regular (sighs) meet and greets outside. Well, it's funny that you bring up like the spare situation because my very first shift out of training, I was scheduled as a spare at Magic Kingdom. And I didn't really know what that entailed yet, but I was like, okay, I show up to the, what did they call it? The Oh, base. Base, base. yes, base. Yeah. You show up to base, you check in, and you sit. And I remember looking around and like some people had brought their knitting, people brought books, and I was like, oh, this is super chill. I like this. And then they got a call and they were like, we need you ASAP. We need you at Crystal Palace as Pooh. You're going to go hang out with Pooh for a bit. And I was like, first of all, terrified just because I had like that first day jitters. And even after you've been doing it a while, if you're doing a new character, it's still like a little because you just every costume is so different. You never know what it's going to be like. Yeah. But I get to my very first shift and like you and Evan talked about. Dining rotations can be very stressful because you show up in the break room and they just have it plastered on a wall. There's a whole rotation, an order of tables that you're supposed to go in to make sure that every guest gets a chance to meet with the characters. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here trying to figure out this costume, trying to figure out my life. And then I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm never going to remember this. I I can't memorize this in like five minutes. And the attendants were really nice. And they're like, you know, we'll help you along and get, have you ever dined in Crystal Palace? I did one time as Winnie the Pooh. And, okay. But I only did it one time, and I remember it is really challenging because the whole place is white and mirrors. White and mirrors. Oh, my gosh. Everything – like, I think I saw this – my first set, the, the same table, like, five times. And the, <laughs> the attendant kept having to come over, like, Pooh, I know you love this table, but we got to move on. I'm like, I've already seen you. Okay. And then <laughs> – I mean, Pooh is a very comfortable costume, but it is also like you got oven mitts for hands. Your your sight line is this nose that's sticking out like three feet and it's black mesh. So, you know, it's hard. And then the kids, like if I have a piece of advice for parents with kids that want to meet characters, like don't do the mini pens, you know, the, the really short oh. stubby pens. And in yes. like glitter gel, like that silver glitter gel. So you can't, one, you can't hold it. Yeah. Two, you can't see the ink. And it's just like, oh my goodness, pain. Oh, pain. You are so right. <laughs> I remember they also used to have those like jumbo pens. And it's like, there's a sweet spot. Like if you can yep. get one of those like large size pens, you're golden. Or a Sharpie. Ooh, I always loved Ooh, a Sharpie. Yes. yes. But don't buy those comically large like pens that you get at the dollar store that are like you have to use two hands just to hold it like it's not helping anybody so don't get the tiny ones don't get the giant ones go with a fat sharpie and just like black ink no no sparkly silver ink yes so after that like I think Crystal Palace was probably the hardest dining to work with but I loved that Hollywood and Vine the one that we were talking about with Disney Junior that one for some reason like was always so chill like, I don't know. It was so chill. You had to do a lot of dancing and stuff, but... I loved that. For some reason, it was just a different vibe. It was, it was laid back. <laughs> My other favorite was the 1900 Park Fair because Alice was at that one, oh, and that yeah. was lovely. 
But my other favorite was play and dine because it was always my friends like you and Evan. The managers who ran it were super great. They were so lovely and they had been former characters. And then there were the performers. So at this, folks, not all of the character dining operates this way. But uh, for play and dine, every, I want to say 30 minutes or 40 minutes, the music would change and they had two, like, full contracted equity performers come out and they would sing the Disney Junior songs with the guests. And if you were a character, you went up to the front and kind of did some very, very light choreography. Very light. It was super easy to remember. It was a lot of like Fast and hand loose. motions. <laughs> yeah. And the smiles and stuff yep. and dancing around the room to the hot dog song from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and yep. stuff. Yep, that popcorn song too will haunt me. Oh yes, I loved yep. that one though. That was fun. It was fun. So and that break room—that was a pretty good break room too, if I remember correctly. I think was that the one we shared with? Um, do you remember the High School Musical cast? It was yes. Like two times a day, we'd have like an influx of like forty dancers yes. who would be in there because they were taking a break for the uh, High School Musical parade that was going on, and they would do their warm ups and stuff. That was so fun. I'd just sit there and, like, yeah. get my own free concert. It's like, it's like the movie came to life in my break room. And they were so nice. Um, I also remember that break room was attached to the kitchen. So you'd have to cross through the kitchen <laughs> in full costume. So it's not that glamorous, folks. If you're wondering where yeah. Mickey pops out at Chef Mickey's, it's probably from the kitchen. <laughs> Do you have any fun memories you remember from your character days? Any other anecdotes? Um, I'm trying to think. Okay. Do you remember the toy box from Hollywood Studios? That was our base. Yeah. Yes. It was toy box. And I just remember like one of my favorite things and not every location did it. I spent a lot of my time at Hollywood Studios, both in my first role at sci-fi and then as a character, that's where I went a lot. So after you would check in, they would have um, required warm-ups. Do you remember that? Oh, or, yes. I remember that. Yep, Like yep. movement, choreo, kind of just so everybody got their body moving and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people didn't particularly enjoy it, but for some reason, that toy box, like it was always such a fun warm up. Like, I don't know. I can't hear like pussycat dolls buttons without thinking <laughs> of those. <warm-ups. laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's just date ourselves some more. Yeah. Right. Days. It was like. I kissed a girl yes. and pussycat dolls uh, yep. buttons all the time. Yep. But I remember I, you're, you unlocked a memory for me too. Like you had to warm up at any of the four parks and Hollywood Studios was by far the best one because there was a warm up coach assigned to each yep. of these four parks. And that warm up coach, I don't remember her name, but she was awesome. She had And then energy. the other, she had a lot of energy. She definitely could like run her own dance studio. And then the other places were kind of like, they didn't care if you even warmed up. They just right. wanted you to check off the box like that you showed up and you kind of it was like self-led you kind of did it on your own um oh and hollywood studios another memory unlocked they had the power rangers do you remember that right they had the power ranger meet and greets so there were like all these crazy acrobatics going on and i just remember like i'm doing my little you know dancey dance warming up and i look over and they're doing like aerial stunts and like yes drop splits I, and I was like okay all right <laughs> I completely forgot about that but yes I do remember that they had the the power rangers and they were so cool they their were. costumes were looked like they were straight from the tv show it was yep. awesome bring back power rangers what happened did they lose licensing or something with that 
They must have. I need answers. And maybe they're just not as popular anymore either. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So after your college program wraps out, which I think was around the same time as mine, you yeah. stopped working for Disney. I think I stayed – I turned seasonal for a bit, but Me I don't too. think I ever actually worked – a seasonal shift. I think I ended oh, up just kind of using my pass on vacations a couple times to get in and then it lapsed and I never looked back. <laughs> Mine lapsed as well, but only because they changed the rules. I milked that baby for all it was worth. Right? I went down every year seasonally for like three or four years Oh my gosh. and worked some very random shifts, mostly as face characters. It was odd. That's so fun. So they would just let you kind of like pop back in. You didn't have to do any like retraining or no but every year i had to get re-approved as alice or wendy so i'd have to go back to the same place we were talking about before that animal kingdom warehouse (laughs) spot (laughs) and i would meet with one of the trainers there and it would be like for five minutes they'd pop and be like great you look the same go ahead go on get out of here you're good so it was always very nerve-wracking it was like oh Oh, i'm sure this is the day they're gonna tell me i can't play alice any longer um and then I would go do a couple of shifts and spend a week at Disney on those sweet, sweet Disney discounts. And oh my gosh. yeah, those free tickets to go into the park. So it was like a free vacation. That was definitely the perk of the college program for sure, was just like having Disney as your backyard. Like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Ryan and I talked about that too of just our date nights. You know, when we lo- yeah. worked there, we're at Epcot, we're at Hollywood Studios because yep. that's really the only places you could go. And Really, the only places you wanted to go, it's Orlando, after yeah. all. So yep. we were okay with it. And they always gave, like, really cool opportunities, I feel like, for the cast members to, you know, like, ride Space Mountain with the lights on or um, just, like yeah. – And then if you had friends that were working certain attractions, you know, it was always, like, an extra little, like, here, here's this little – Totally. Do you have any memories of like doing something fun in your off hours in the college program? Um, Oh my gosh. I miss Pleasure Island. That was still (gasps) alive and well when we were on our program. And it was, it was called um, 8-Tracks, I think was the name of the club. Yes. And they always did like 80s night or like, one one of my last nights with my roommates because I unlike you guys I did end up in one of those apartments with eight of us sorry but amazingly though we all got along and we all are like still friends to this day our last like of our program all together we got dressed up in full 80s regalia and headed out and hit up eight tracks and it was a really good memory (laughs) so after your college program is done Later, you found yourself working for Disney kind of again, but in a totally different capacity. Folks, Katie is one of the coolest people I know because she (laughs) took her amazing ice skating skills and put them to work and became Anna in Frozen on Disney on Ice. So, (laughs) Katie, tell everybody how this happened. How did you become a Disney on Ice performer? It's so funny because I have so many different like connections with Disney in my life and they're all so compartmentalized. Like it has nothing to do with my college program or anything, but I did grow up skating. And um, after my college program, I went back to college to finish my degree. And long story short, I um, went into coaching for figure skating. So I was coaching for quite a few years and um, got more into choreography and was like, 
you know, how can I expand my choreography um, arsenal? Like, what do I want to do with this? And per suggestion of someone in the business, they were like, you know, you should really get show experience so you could maybe start venturing into show choreography. I was like, that sounds more up my alley. I love that. (laughs) But at the time when they were telling me this, I was, I think, about to turn 29, which feels ancient in the skating world. I got to tell you, like most people tap out of their skating careers at like 18. But in the show world, you can extend that a lot longer and keep doing it. But I had been out of the skating world for a while, at least like skating for myself, my own personal skills. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I, I would love to do a show, but I don't, I feel like my, my time has passed, you know, like grandma over here. <laughs> and the person was like, nope, nope. I really think that you should get in contact with this person over at Disney on Ice. I think it would be a good fit. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, it planted a seed and I kind of like put out some feelers and didn't really hear much. And then that was in like December and then spring of the next year. I was like, I want to do that. Like I want to do this. And I showed up at a, like a camp audition thing with my, my little headshot and my routine. And I didn't really know what was going to happen. I hoped I'd just get a job. And the person was like, we need you like in a few weeks. And I was blown away. Like it was an amazing opportunity. Frozen was still pretty new and Disney on ice has like nine different shows going at once usually. So um, all of them offer something a little bit different and they were starting to implement Frozen onto all of them. And they were like, this show, we're going to be going into rehearsals um, and build soon. So we would need you and you'd be going off to Europe by the fall. And we want you for Anna. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you are at this audition and they're like telling you, they're like, we want you, you got it. You pack your bags for two weeks from now because you're hired. And it was actually like a surreal experience because I hadn't even auditioned technically yet. Like it was a two day thing. And the person and I had been talking the day before and before I even auditioned, they were like, just so you know, like, this is what we want. I auditioned the next day and I had my offer letter at like six in the morning the next day. And I was like, well, I guess I'm packing everything up and changing my life. And it was like wow. the best decision I ever made. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! So, where did you train? Did you get to train in the states, or did you have to train also in Europe for the tour? So, let me back up a little. Disney on Ice isn't actually the Walt Disney Company; it's run by Feld Entertainment, and Feld Entertainment also has things like Sesame Street Live, Disney Live, um, Marvel Live. They did Ringling Circus when that was still going. Um, they they're just like this behemoth of live entertainment so their headquarters are in palmetto florida so they have like this huge massive facility that houses i mean they they build um i think it was like u2's concert they built it like in there before they put it on the road and they have space for like three ice surfaces all at once and it's crazy but went down to Florida, lived in a hotel for a month and a half, I think, while we went through rehearsals and building the show. And I don't know, it was it was wild. It was a really cool experience, though, to see something like it. I didn't realize it at the time because I was so new to show skating. I didn't completely understand what was going on. But to be a part of a brand new segment of a show is a really cool experience to see it. Like nobody's ever worn the costumes before. The sets are new. The props are new. The music is being 
being cut on the go, like changes are being made to the script every single day. Things are being tailored around like your skill set. Whereas a lot of times when you come into some of these shows, you're put into a track or a role or a position that's already been originated. So you're fitting into that. So it was cool to see all of us having it tailored specifically around the people that were there at the time. That's incredible. Yeah. So will you explain what were the stories in the show that you guys were putting on and how they were fitting in the Frozen story to what was already established? Yep. So our show, when I joined, it had been Worlds of Fantasy and they were the show that had all the fairy friends. <laughs> so I almost oh. got to be <laughs> friends with Miss Fawn again, but they were revamping it. So it became Worlds of Enchantment and it featured four different stories. So it had Little Mermaid, it had Toy Story 3, specifically 3, Um, It was the only show with cars and then Frozen. And they're all like there's one show that is completely Frozen that's out on. Well, I don't think it's on tour right now because of COVID. But there is one show that's specifically dedicated to the entire story of Frozen. And it's very detailed and has all the things Mm -hmm. that you know from the movie. And then the rest of the shows that have Frozen, they're just kind of like abbreviated versions. And that's what we like. The big song and dance numbers are are what they use. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So you're told that you're going to be Anna. Do you play any other role besides Anna or are you only there to be Anna? I was hired as a principal performer and my role specifically was Anna. But in your contracts, you're required to understudy. Now what those understudies end up being, it just kind of depends. Mm. It was so much fun because as much as you obviously like love your role and it is your baby, your character, it was really fun to have a break sometimes and go do something else, do something, get to hang out with a different <laughs> character for a bit. So on our show specifically, I got to understudy Barbie from Toy Story a lot, which was fun yeah. because it was a pair role with Ken, um, Ariel from <laughs> The Little Mermaid, and then mm-hmm. the, like a lot of other random Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> that was a, a wild story because that was a last minute thing that just kind of happened, got put into. But And then I had my ensemble role or my ensemble track. So I could be anything from a Green Army Man in Toy Story to a salsa fish in Under the Sea or I never drove a car, never drove a car in the ice shell, but that was probably for the best. <laughs> but there were cars, the cars characters that yes. were actual cars on ice. Yes. We had um, Tomater, we had Lightning McQueen, Sally, Flo, Ramon, all out on ice. And depending on how big the ice surface was, because every venue we would play would be a little bit different size-wise, and especially when we got Mm -hmm. over to Europe, their venues are like zeniths. They're they're tiny. So Mm. it would be like, are we going to do five cars or are we going to do three cars? So mm, I see having to adjust the track and all of that. So when you say ensemble, you're saying like you're Anna for the duration of the Frozen piece. And then when they're on the Toy Story section of the show, you're doing one of the ensemble characters. Yeah. So you're you're always doing something like when you're hired on, even if it's for a principal role, you're still going to be doing a lot of other things throughout the show, even if it's not your your main section. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing prop sets, prop strikes. I got to ride around as a green alien in Toy Story, which was always fun. Got to drive like a little golf cart on the ice. Yeah. That, that was one of my highlights, actually. Hanging out with Flounder. <laughs> Ah, Flounder. I love it because it's so theatrical. It's kind of everybody has multiple roles and everything's go, go, go. It feels very much like the theater that 
you're going to yeah. quickly do a quick change into this costume and go do a song and dance number as a salsa fish for 30 seconds and yep. then quickly change into something else. Yeah, so. everything is zippers. So many zippers because mm-hmm. you keep your skates on the whole time um, and layering things and quick change tents and that Disney magic, you know, uh-huh. it, it takes a village behind the scenes. Your skates. Does Feld Entertainment give you your skates? Nope. Do you buy your own? You, you show up with your skates. You provide your own equipment. Um, which is always, I had some issues with mine that created, I wouldn't say like the fondest memories, but they definitely left an impression on me. I did have during one performance where the heel of my skate fell off. Um, No. it (laughs) It made it through like Toy Story, Little Mermaid, Cars, and it came time for Frozen. And I, I have my normal routine behind the curtain music cues and I run out as Anna and I'm waving my little heart out and all of a sudden I hear like a pop and I was like huh that's weird and suddenly I like I couldn't really move and I was like what what is happening and it took me a while to figure out what was going on it was one of those like nightmare dreams that you have where you're in slow motion and you can't run and yeah there's literally at that point there was no one else out there on the ice normally there's people milling around you can talk to other performers and relay messages and yeah our performance director didn't really know what was going on either they could see because they're always sitting up in the stands making Mm -hmm. sure the show is running how it's supposed to but there was just unfortunately like nothing at that point that we could really do so I was like lip syncing my heart out luckily my understudy was like ready backstage but I had to make it through because once you get out there on our show specifically it was like you were out there for first time in forever which went immediately into love is an open door like a pair number Mm -hmm. an entire like coronation scene with Elsa and this had happened right out the gate I feel bad for the people that were watching that show that had no idea I mean A lot of people probably didn't even notice, but it felt like a train wreck for me personally. But I got out halfway and my understudy came in to the rescue in the quick change outfit. (laughs) But Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Take care of your equipment, folks. (laughs) Okay, so that brings up another question. If you're an understudy, are you dressed and in costume ready to go out in the wings if an accident like that happens? It kind of depends. Like, it's not normal for someone to be in costume just waiting. But as a performer, you know that that's always a possibility. Uh So when you get to a new venue, you always know where the understudy costumes are, like in case of emergency or in case you're going into an understudy. But there were times where, you know, I was backstage just going about my normal routine and they were like, Prince Eric is hurt. We need you in Ariel, like now. Whoa. (laughs) It was like, okay. And you just go, you throw the costume on and just go with it. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so explain to me, you after you guys have done all the training, you know your tracks, I know that you're told that you guys are going to Europe. I guess my first question is like, is your show in English everywhere <laughs> or do you have to do this in different languages? Well, thank goodness it's all like to a track. So uh-huh. we weren't actually singing live. Uh, but yes, it was when we would go to Europe, it was in all different languages. So my my very first show that we did, because after rehearsals and building the show, the first place our tour went was actually Puerto Rico. So we opened in Puerto Rico for a limited engagement. And I had just learned the whole thing in English. And they were like, okay, now you got to do it in Spanish. I was like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, what now? 
But luckily for that area specifically, they kept all the songs in English and the dialogue in Spanish. But when we went to Europe, yeah, we spent a lot of time in France and would have to kind of, you didn't actually learn the whole track as the actual language, but you would figure out a way that made sense to you listening to it, that you could mouth it and make it look believable. And I think I still, I say a lot of my notebooks of my versions of the translations and what (laughs) I thought I heard and what I would do with my face and my mouth to kind of like make that look believable. Yeah, that makes sense. But if I never have to like hear Flemish again or sing anything in Flemish, like I'll I'll be happy. Um, so how long would your tour be? And by the way, you sound like a rock star. Like that sounds like what the lifestyle is that you're living is like different tour ever, different country every few weeks or whatever. Um, but how long was the entire duration of your tour? Um, typically like a a normal tour would be about nine months long. And so you'd be Uh living in hotels that whole time. If there was a lot of flying and stuff, you were limited to two suitcases. So that's what the company would travel for you was two suitcases and then they would have sometimes like depending on what tour you were on they would have summer engagements which were limited mm-hmm. um so you'd spend like a month in puerto rico or um there was mexico i got to actually break work on a different show that wasn't my own but go help out on one of them that was in australia and new zealand one summer which was really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, South Africa. I never made it to Asia, but there was always like a, an Asian tour that was very popular. People wanted to get on that one. <laughs> I feel like looking back, I could have taken advantage a little bit more of like sightseeing and stuff, but I felt <laughs> like, I don't know, I got stressed out easily with like trying to manage a lot of stuff. So I didn't do as much as I had hoped, but I did get a few good side trips in. And uh, I know a lot of people will stick around for a very long time on tour just to be able to get like the countries that they really want to visit. That makes sense. Yeah. Put them all in your passport. Oh my gosh. I bet you have a great passport. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a lot of visas too. (laughs) Like work visas. I bet. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, (laughs) Where was your favorite place you got to travel to? I think one of my girlfriends on the show, she ended up becoming one of my closest friends. We, when we played Europe for the second time, we were in Norway and we booked kind of a, like a side trip on one of our few days off. And we went like as far north as you could go in Norway and it's called Tromso and it's stunning. And so we went reindeer sledding, we went dog sledding. We stayed on a boat. That was our Airbnb. It was on a boat. And they had to tell us. We didn't realize at the time, but they're like, okay, so when you check in, it's in this little Tromso Harbor. Um, it was gorgeous. Yeah. And they were like, but just so you know, your home won't be there between the hours of this and this. <laughs> we do a, a Northern Lights tour. But because you're staying on it, you're more than welcome to join it for free. So so you did it. Yeah. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. So our little Airbnb like floated away on a Northern Lights tour and (laughs) we were just along for the ride. It was a really cool experience. That sounds magical. That's incredible. I have to imagine you guys all get very close because you're traveling together and you're working together and you're skating together. Did you make some like incredible friends through this experience? Yes, absolutely. Some of my closest friends. It's hard too because um, the cast is so diverse. You get people from all over the world, especially – I know we talked about this before with like skating. It's such a niche talent to have and to be Mm -hmm. able to apply it to something like this that they draw from everywhere all over the world to get these people to come in and make these shows possible. And so it's hard because you make these really good friendships, but then it's like 
I don't know, especially now with COVID, like when am I going to be able to go visit Hungary? Like when, when can I get to Budapest or some of my best friends are in completely different countries now. But. Uh, I felt that way even just doing the college program and meeting so many friends across the United States. And it was great. Be like, oh, some of my best friends live in different places. I mean, Evan lived in Hawaii after we were done because that's where she's from. And um, it, it's also just such a joyous, wonderful thing because when you do travel, you get to see them all again and be like, oh, I have yep. a friend here in Chicago. Yep. I'll give her a ring. So yep. it's kind of fun and sweet. Uh, so in total for like the time you're on tour, how many shows would you say you guys probably put on in that tour? Oh my gosh. I never actually counted them up myself, but we like a typical U S schedule would be like a Thursday night open. So you do a show Mm -hmm. Thursday night, a show Friday night, three on Saturday and three on Sunday, three in one day. Yes. Yes. And that's the the magic of understudies. So they, depending on how the week was going, because, you know, you were constantly battling with people who were having injuries or illness and trying to switch the, it's called the board. So every day when you would get into work and you would check in, so they know you were there and you go and check the board. And the board was just this big whiteboard that had announcements on it, but then it would also have for like the show. Mm-hmm. So-and-so is in this understudy. So-and-so is out. So-and-so. And then like the performance director would have to take this big puzzle of who was actually there and like flip people around. And so it's kind of sometimes walking into the venue, not knowing what your day was going to bring. But what it looked like. Yeah. yeah. But they were pretty good about, you know, like if you had three shows, you weren't in all three shows. You had like maybe one show off or you were doing your like B track. So I see. instead of doing like Anna, I would maybe just do some ensemble. Like I would be a citizen of Arendelle, you know, something a little different. Yeah. But Europe, Europe was a little bit busier. I'm not quite sure why. It might have just been the demand, but we would have something called split weeks where on a normal tour, you would play one city a week. But on split weeks in Europe, you would do two cities which is a lot because you're packing everything up. It's not just the amount of shows you're doing. It's so much work for the crew because what you see in a Disney on Ice show, we brought with us. So like the lighting grid, the curtains, the everything that it takes to go up, that's got to be taken down, loaded onto trucks, transported to the next city, and then put all back up again. Like it's a lot. Wow. It's so much. I had no idea, but I also can understand that. I I kind of assumed or half assumed that the arena would provide things like curtains, but I guess you wanted to be consistent. Yeah. You got (laughs) to bring all that stuff. So tell me a little bit about the costumes for these. I mean, you were explaining how they're all zippers and everything. Are these like I don't know if the word is like Disney sanctioned, but like this, I've seen you in these costumes. They look pretty identical to the ones the girls wear in the parks. Is there any crossover between the Disney parks and the Feld Entertainment Disney on Ice shows? The costumes for Disney on Ice are definitely different than the meet and greet ones that you see in the parks because they're specifically designed to withstand, you know, a lot of wear and tear and what they go through on the ice. Um, It's not just maybe a twirl and some hugging and, you know, it's being put through the ringer out there. It's getting super sweaty. It's getting flung around. It's getting dragged across the ice. It's meant to withstand a lot. So they are gorgeous, but they are durable and they are flame proofed. Like (laughs) there's a lot of pyro on the show. So you got to make sure that you're checking in to make sure your costume has been recently fireproofed. (laughs) It's 
flame retardant. Um, it's yeah. kind of like Tinkerbell in the fireworks show. It's like yes. that costume's like super durable. Yes. And it's also like it's interesting the difference with what we have on the show, right? So we're taking all of this on the road for nine months. I remember when we would collect costumes at Disney, like in the parks, you know, you'd go to mm-hmm. the costume warehouse center and you would see like 50 of each costume and you could find your favorites yep. and whatnot and like pick them out. But there were so many of them. But on a traveling show like that, there's like two, you know, one, <laughs> two. Like, so if something happens to them, you have a wardrobe team, but the wardrobe team is two people. So they're constantly repairing and trying to maintain things and it's like a, it's a lot of work and a lot of sharing costumes and but they're wow. they're beautiful up close. Oh, are they? Yeah, Aww. they are. I mean, they look beautiful from afar from the pictures I've seen of you and and that makes sense. You know, it's supposed to be meant to be seen from afar, but um how about the wigs? Were these like was it hair or was it basically a helmet? To, <laughs> the the, the wigs were actually um I'm pretty sure they were the same as the park wigs because again, when you're traveling on the road, like that's your team. You don't have, you know, someone to send your wigs to. So they would actually have people who were not cast members. We didn't call ourselves cast members, but performers could mm-hmm. choose to be part of the wig team that would travel. And it was a little bit of extra pay per week. And they would go to Animal Kingdom to that facility we were talking about. And they would spend during rehearsal mm-hmm. time a few days learning how to properly style the wigs and maintain them. And then they take them on the road and there was a lot more hairspray than in the parks because <laughs> I bet again, they're, they're going through a lot. They're, they're being thrown all over the place. So they were pretty similar to the park ones, just with a little extra hold. <laughs> Cause those were the, yeah. those ones that you had on the road. Those were what you got. There wasn't really like sending out for other ones if something happened. So you mean you can't just like run into a wig shop in Budapest and hope for the best of yeah, right? on a wig no. for you? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Katie, thank you so much for all those details about being, a, you know, a performer at Disney on Ice. I think that is so incredible. I have always loved anytime you'd pop up. While you, and you did this for a while working on Disney on Ice. It, you'd pop up and I would see a beautiful, like, picture or video <laughs> of you getting to be, you know, just really live in your dream is what it looked like yeah. to me. And um, I'm just so in awe of everything you have done. Well, it was pretty cool. Like I did have a full circle moment, like a full circle Disney moment where my final year, it was one of the like later cities that we were playing. And my roommate, my one of my best friends, my roommate from the college program, she lived in the city we were playing. She had a young daughter now. And she asked me like, where should I buy seats? We picked out exactly. She bought front row tickets. And it was so cool to run out and be able, like, I got to, like, play with her daughter during the show and, like, give her a hug. I don't know. It was just, I remember crying watching Wishes with her and us being completely, like, Disney obsessed and to be able to, like, kind of have that moment. It was really cool. And, yeah, being able to go out to an audience because I was doing the same thing every night. You know, the show is the same thing, but it was a fresh audience every time. And that part never got old. It's a very unique experience. It really is. It's so incredible. And one of my stories, I know you did this for my daughter, so but I don't know if you know how <laughs> she received this. But a few years ago when you were Anna, you, I think you probably got some merchandise and it was like the Anna yeah. hat that she wears with the with the braids and some sticker books and stuff like that. 
And Katie reached out and was like, what's your address? I'm going to send this stuff to Ray. And it's from Anna. And so Ray, I think, was probably two years old at the time, maybe three. And I was like, Ray, Anna from Frozen sent you something all the way from Arendelle. And she was just fully into it. And she opened it up and she was like, (gasps) from Anna to me. And she wore that hat so proudly for weeks and weeks. We still have it. Um. And it's so cute. It says Dizzy on Ice on the backside. And I remember you were supposed to come here to Los Angeles to do your show, but then the pandemic and all that yep. happened and it didn't happen. But we were really hoping that we were going to get to see you Aww. and Ray could. But like I said, Ray still talks today. She is confident that Anna herself sent well, her Anna, yeah, Anna that Yeah, Anna did hat. send that all the way from Arendelle. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's I love so my cute. Ray videos. Okay. I can't get enough. I'm ready to like her next – package is going to be a pair of skates because that girl needs to get in front of an audience (laughs) one day who knows she's very finicky you know she's about to start hip-hop class at school (gasps) so we'll see how that goes but i cannot wait to follow along on that adventure (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be either really great or really something um okay katie before you go every guest on the podcast has to answer their rapid fire favorites all of their disney favorites so i'm gonna hit you with nine Disney questions, okay. and let's see how, how you do, okay? I hate picking favorites, but I'll do it just for you. <laughs> okay, good. All right, what is your favorite Disneyland ride? Disneyland. Like in California? Yep. Okay, this is really random, Florida but girl. the Luigi's, is it, what, what's it called? Yes, yeah, the um, Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters. I, yes. w- when they all dance, synchronize yeah. to like, Hey Mambo, or like, yeah, I cannot, yeah. like, I love that ride doing it and I love watching it. Like, I could sit under those lights at night and just, I was cackling the whole time. I had so much fun on that one. It feels very on brand for you because to me, it looks a little bit like um, the uh, sci fi dine-in. It's like oh, the same yeah. type of car look. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. You know, okay, I love a choreographed your, moment too. So, I do. This I do know <laughs> of you. Okay. Your favorite Disney food? Uh, recently, I tried the cheeseburger spring rolls. In Adventureland? Yes. I'm a fan. Uh, I, okay. Adam talks about those two all the time. I got to try these. I don't think they have them at Disneyland. I'm not sure. Yeah. That or like a stop at okay. Earl of Sandwich is the go-to. You know what? They're getting rid of our Earl of Sandwich <gasps> here in Anaheim. That's so rude. I know. I, I don't think it's a big thing out here in California because okay. every time I pass by it, it looks empty, which is shocking because the one in Florida has like a line out the door. But They have one at Disneyland Paris too. Like, I went all the way you to Paris. And I went to Disneyland Paris. And I was like, I'm getting an Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, your favorite Disney resort? Um, I stay at Saratoga Springs the most because I like its proximity to Disney Springs. But mm-hmm. visiting, I'm obsessed now with Grand Floridian. <laughs> I've never stayed in one Ooh. of their rooms, but I just love the smell. And I love the new Citrico's Lounge and the gingerbread house. And it just, it's beautiful. Oh my goodness! Don't they have a new um, like cocktail lounge too that makes yes. like um, n- like a zero dry, proof like dry cocktails, cocktails like, yeah yes. for non drinkers? Yeah. And I was so excited. And it's it's um, did you go? I did, and it's uh, they recently redid it this past summer, and they did like a Mary Poppins uh-huh. Returns makeover. <gasps> so it's oh, cute! All these cute little cherry tree lane nods, and just it's beautiful. And there's a zero proof cocktail menu front and center, which you know I love. And it it was it was really nice. So I'm hoping they they start doing more of that around the parks. 
I think they are. I also read an article that was like best mocktails of Disney World. So I think yes. like people are starting to put more of those options out there, which why shouldn't they? Because I don't know, but I think I saw you even post this, like mocktails are really annoying when it's like, oh, here's just some lemonade some with a fancy or, uh, flower. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, give, you can make a cocktail. Just yeah. don't put the put alcohol some, and in And I'm it. still like, gonna, like, I'll still drop money. Like I want to spend good money and I want to take in the theming and do all that yes. but it was funny because I went specifically to try out that menu and I was like I don't know if it's gonna be I don't know like weird or whatnot but it's front yeah. and center on their menu it's not like you have to ask for a, a separate menu or anything like that and um, I had this cute little lounge table all to myself which you know I love my social distancing uh-huh. and the table closest to me people sat down and they ordered the exact same things and I was like oh there you go like there's more people that for whatever reason, you know, everybody's yeah, got that's good. different reasons. So yeah. give them options. They yeah. They shouldn't feel like it's like a thing that you have to hide on a menu. Exactly. You know, I like that. It's just like, it's right here. Um, and I also, when I win the lottery, Katie, I'll take you to Grand Floridian because yes. I too have never oh. stayed there, Oh my but gosh. I love it. Just the smell it walking in and heart. everything's just so like, I don't know. Yeah. You feel special walking in. <laughs> Here's my dream. One day I want to... I want to have a million dollars and I want to stay one night at each of the monorail resorts and like do one night at Grand Floridian, one night at Polly and one night at the Contemporary. I love that. And then on top of winning the million, you would also win the like the night stay in Cinderella's castle. Obviously. So that would be your like last stop on the monorail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Can I come? (laughs) Yeah, of course. You're you're okay, in. cool. Um, okay, what's your favorite Disney park in all of the world? Every park you've been to, which one's your favorite? I have to say Hollywood Studios. Um, mainly because of like nostalgia, but also I love Tower Terror. I love Rock and Roller Coaster. And now with Galaxy's Edge, you know, I'm a Star Wars freak. I can't get enough. Oh, we did not get into that. We did not get into the the level that Katie <laughs> is obsessed with Star Wars. And I love Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Unfortunately for me, Adam is not as big of a Star Wars person. He's more Marvel. But I love Star I Wars. Love so, it so we much. Should, we should have you back on just do like an exclusively Star Wars yes. Disney Parks episode. Yes. Um, okay. What's your favorite season to be at a Disney park? I want to say Christmas. But I can't get over the crowds in my head, like in my head. Yeah. So I love the decorations at Christmas. Um, and I think I would say Christmas if they still had the Osborne family lights spectacle. Yeah. I'm bitter. I'm so I'm so bitter about that. I can't I can't talk about it. It's never coming back. Wasn't there like a lawsuit or something? It was a big deal, but I don't it's, know what it's happened. done. But I did meet someone yeah. that was on the teardown crew of it and he was talking about it, and I was like. I don't want to, I can't, it's too painful. Stop, please stop. But so I think I want to say Christmas, but I I also love Halloween there. I love Halloween. Me too. Okay, so here's what you're going to do next year. You're going to come out here to California and go to Disneyland for Halloween (sighs) because Disneyland pulls out all the stops. Their decorations, in my opinion, are far better than the ones at the Magic Kingdom. And you guys have the better food. You really do. Yeah. Your snacks are superior. Oh yeah, it's true. It's not a secret. Um, okay, favorite Disney movie? Lilo and Stitch, hands down. Not what I was expecting you to say. I know, Interesting. I, I know that thing front and back by heart. It is my comfort movie. I don't know what it is, but 
I know it's not what you would think. It's like, yeah. I just mm-hmm. didn't know you liked Lilo and Stitch. Oh it's God. adorable. I love it. I think I started with not liking Lilo and Stitch, and I hadn't even seen the movie, but I just was annoyed that Stitch had suddenly like bamboozled his way yes. into everything, everything at Disney. Everything. So I, on principle, couldn't like this movie. And it wasn't until I had a kid and I'm watching it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is adorable. This is it's so sweet. So good. So- and like the little side characters, and like, I don't know. Yeah. I love it. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, favorite Disney song? Mm, that changes often depending on what mood. Like a soundtrack as a whole, I love Tangled. Mm, yeah. And especially being on the ice show and getting to hear At Last I See the Light in different languages. In Spanish, it is is gorgeous. But Aww. also I cried like a baby for Show Yourself with Frozen 2. Like I think I like Frozen, the first one, better, but I like Frozen 2's soundtrack much better than the original. I agree. I agree with you on that. I absolutely agree. I like show yourself as well. And let it uh, let it go is good, but it's just so overdone that yeah. I think I just like show yourself cuz it's different. Yeah. Okay. Your favorite Disney character? Oh. I that one I don't think I could ever nail down, but my favorite meet and greet characters are Chip and Dale. Like as I don't know if I would say they're like my favorite Disney characters, but in the parks, if I could only pick one meet and greet, it would be Chip and Dale. I like that. And then I well, kind of feel like I have I to like say that. Anna just because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Makes sense. Um, okay. Last question. This is a doozy. What movie or character needs its own ride or representation in the parks that doesn't already have it? Mm. You know, I was really on board. Because I'm very excited for the Splash Mountain makeover with Princess and the Frog. Me too. But I also was kind of excited at the thought of that being an Emperor's New Groove ride. Did you see this theory going around? <gasps> no. Like a pull the lever moment? I didn't. For the drop? That's pretty great. I just... Yeah. I, I like that. More love for Emperor's New Groove. There's nothing out there for them either. And I, I was late to the, that game. Like, I didn't watch that one until I was much older. And I don't know how I ever went without seeing it. It's so good. There's so many. And there's there like this window of time in the early 2000s and late 90s where a lot of those movies just don't get any love. I think of a Goofy movie as well as one that mm-hmm. is really good and has no representation in the parks. I'm like, it, it deserves something. Yeah. But okay. I like that. Emperor's New Groove would be good. Uh, okay. Well, great. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. I had the best time talking with you. And just thank you for sharing all your stories. Ah, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Of course. Well, you're a friend of the podcast now. Come back anytime. And a bonus, you live right now really close to Disney World. So we might have to have you back on for some more reviews and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. And folks, if you want to go see all of Katie's amazing photos and also just get to know Katie. She takes these incredible photos. Often she does these great um, meals with her cookbooks that she gets from the library that are usually like Disney themed or uh, (laughs) Star Wars themed. Uh, So follow her on Instagram at callmestewie. It's great. And thank you again, Katie, for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for having me.
Oh, I'm really bummed I wasn't here for this. That was that was so much fun to listen to. I know. Isn't her story so cool? She's really had some truly unique experiences with Disney. Yeah, and I think really just hearing kind of the, the the secrets of Disney on Ice and how that all works. Like, I mean, I was blown away by the idea that like you never think about it, like you know that most of the times when you see like a stage show at the parks or Disney on ice or something like that, that's not like Disney on Broadway because they're actually singing, but like Mm -hmm. some of that stuff where they want everything to sound the same, no matter where they are. And these people are doing highly, like highly athletic skills out there, like the ice skating and everything else. You can't sing while you're doing all that, please. It's like, Kimmy, like you think JLo sings while she's dancing around? No, she doesn't really sing it. But um, (laughs) I think what was really fascinating was that they all had to figure out how to lip sync in languages they didn't know. Like that, that kind of blows my mind. I think they're, were they out there being like watermelon, 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 watermelon? Like they tell you to do in choir, like high school choir when you don't know the words, just mouth watermelon over and over. <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know what Flemish sounds like. And now I kind of want to hear it just because she said it was so terrible to figure out how to lip sync. But I think, yeah, that would be probably the hardest thing, harder than the choreography on ice skates is like knowing which language you're going to have to mouth the lyrics to, you know, for the first time in forever or whatever song you're singing is that what they sing yeah that's one of them right the first time in forever oh wait maybe that's the second movie i'm coming off a cold you don't want to hear me trying to sing it um Uh. (laughs) but that was that was really fun well look everybody i will miss doing the podcast for a few weeks but i can't wait to listen to it it'll give us something to listen to while we're driving cross country making the move out to new york and I can't wait to be back. We're going to have so much to talk about when I get back because Dana's going to have just come back from a trip to Disney World with her family. So we're going to have all of that to talk about, more Disneyland stuff to talk about, so, so much more to talk about in a few weeks. But until then, you've got some great episodes coming up with, I think, uh, a little Sierra and a Sierra might be back and a Kim might be back and all your fan favorites will be will be coming back. You can't keep Kim <laughs> away from this podcast as much as I no. try. She's always back. <laughs> she just shows up. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, she does. All right. Well, uh, to that note, have a great week. Yes, Adam, safe travels to you and the family and we will see you again soon on the podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.